Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I head JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today, we would like to discuss the Strait of Hormuz and the probability of its blockade. Um, so far, the Israel-Hamas war has had only limited impact on the oil market, which is consistent with our baseline view that oil price will exit the year at $86 before declining to an average of $83 next year amid slowing global economic growth. Our forecast assumes that Brent oil price will average $85 in the current quarter, predicated on large inventory draws observed in the third quarter of this year, transitioning into a largely balanced market in the fourth quarter. Uh, our fourth quarter balance has oscillated between 100 KBD deficit and 100 KBD surplus and currently shows a balanced market with 100 KBD draw in October, followed by 500 KBD build in November, flipping to a 300 KBD draw in December. Our balances assume healthy but slower demand growth in the fourth quarter. On year-over-year basis, demand should gain about 1.8 million barrels per day, but sequentially, however, we expect that the normal seasonal patterns uh, in the oil market will be maintained this year and see global oil demand declining about 500 KBD in the fourth quarter of this year. Our global oil demand tracker shows demand averaged about 102.1 million barrels per day in October, and this is about 100 KBD below our published projections for the month. Heading into November, with the base effect largely behind us, data on global oil demand remains mixed. Um, so please uh, read our uh, publication, Seven Countries Report Mixed Oil Demand, uh, out this week and but global liquids production however is expected to grow about 780,000 barrels per day sequentially in the fourth quarter of the year so the main risk to our view is that the current conflict could spill over in a region that accounts for a third of global oil output potentially drawing in a major oil producing country so again as we discussed last week historical precedent suggests that since 1967 with the exception of the yom kippur war of 1973, none of the other 10 Israeli conflicts had a lasting medium-term impact on oil prices. In this instance, Brent actually ended up trading at a slight discount to its fundamentally derived fair value three months after the inception of the conflict. Uh, similarly, if you look at the historical data, other military conflicts in the Middle East and North Africa did not that did not involve an oil-producing country haven't uh, experienced a supply loss in the aftermath of the conflict, resulting in no impact on the price of oil. So only events involving a major regional oil producer tended to directly impact oil supply, subsequently boosting oil prices. So we estimate that in this episode, oil was trading at a wide $7 to $14 per barrel premium to its fair value for, uh, for an extended period. So investors are still fearful that the conflict might spread beyond Israel and its immediate neighbors. Uh, so we're observing a very large volumes of Brent January $100 calls and March $125 calls changing hands. This week, uh, the two biggest supply disruptions considered by the market include the conflict broadening to include Iran and the potential closure of the Strait of Hormuz and the more general Middle Eastern conflagration uh, igniting uh, retaliatory responses from major oil-producing countries. So focusing on the Strait of Hormuz, so the blockade of the Strait, which is the world's busiest oil shipping channel, would, of course, shut down the region's oil trade, supercharging oil prices. 
So the waterway is very, very skinny. It's actually at its narrowest point. It's only 21 miles, about 33 kilometers wide. And it's separating the UAE, Oman, and Iran. And it connects the Persian Gulf with the Indian Ocean and facilitates the movement of some 30% of the world's seaborne oil trade. Uh, that's both uh, crude and, uh, cr- and oil products, but also about 20% of the world's LNG supply. Today, Oil shipping traffic from energy-rich Gulf countries passes through the strait, including crude oil, oil products, liquefied natural gas exports from Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. But crucially for all the recorded history, despite many threats, the Strait of Hormuz has never been actually closed off and the crude oil continued to flow. So over the past 40 years, Iranian leadership has made numerous threats to close the strait whenever uh, Iran felt that uh, its economic sovereignty was challenged. For example, during the Hinker War phase of the Iran-Iraq War in the 1980s, Iran threatened to close the strait after Iraq attacked oil infrastructure. Uh, Iranian oil infrastructure in the 1990s, disputes between Iran and the UAE over control of several small islands within the strait resulted in further threats to block the passageway in late 2007 and into 2008, a series of naval standoffs between the Iranian speedboats and the U.S. warships uh, took place in the Strait of Hormuz. And in June 2008, Iran asserted that if it were attacked by the U.S., the strait would be sealed off. The U.S. uh, responded by saying that any closure of the strait would be considered as an act of war. So in 2012, 2018, and in 2019, again, Iran threatened to block the strait in response to sanctions by the U.S. and the EU against the country's nuclear program. But crucially, even when those sanctions did materialize, yes, in uh, in 2018 especially, so Iran did not close off the passageway, likely suggesting that the country would prefer not to see the conflict escalate from hybrid warfare into a full-blown war. Um, Why? So first and foremost, Iran would almost surely bear great costs in the wake of any closure attempt. Um, unless Iran were able to convince the Gulf Cooperation Council that it was an act essential to self-defense, closure would be seen not only as a serious violation of international norms, but worse yet, one that directly impacts the economic interests of most Gulf states. So Saudi Arabia exports um, exports the most of oil through the strait, though it can divert some flows via pipelines. Uh, 85% of Iraqi oil travels through the strait, making it highly reliant on free passage. Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain have no option but to ship their oil through the waterway. Uh, any disruption of the strait would also antagonize the Gulf's main customers, which which are in Asia. Um, the bulk of GCC oil traffic, that's about two-thirds of GCC's oil traffic, heads to Asian markets like China, India, Japan, and South Korea. So this is very different than in 1973 when majority of the GCC uh, oil exports were actually heading to um, to OECD countries. So large volumes of LNG follow the same route. Uh, meanwhile, Iran's own economy depends heavily on the free passage of goods and vessels through the through the seaway. Um, so Iran's oil is being exported entirely by sea. And finally, cutting off the Strait of Hormuz would be counterproductive to Iran's relationship with its sole oil customer, China. So today, 1.5 million barrels per day of oil exports of Iran go solely to uh, to China. There's some small volumes that are being shipped to Syria and Venezuela, but again, majority of that is being bought by one single customer, China. Uh, Iran could retaliate in other ways, uh, for example, by disrupting shipping in the Persian Gulf. 
but even in the tanker war of the 1980s, when about 260 oil tankers were attacked between 1984 and 1987, uh, that has not curtailed Gulf oil exports or managed to substantially increase world oil prices. Uh, in part, this reflects a greater reliance by the Gulf Arab states on overland pipelines, but it also reflects the fact that only a small portion of the Gulf shipping is coming under attack. Uh, so looking at the statistics, around 30 oil tankers transit the Strait of Hormuz each day, or about 11,000 each year, but only less than 0.1% have been attacked, seized, or attempted to be seized by Iran in the past two years in areas patrolled by the U.S. Navy, uh, naval forces. Uh, moreover, oil tankers have historically proven resilient against attacks, with most modern tankers having double house, making them harder to sink. So similarly, we believe that a 1970s-style oil embargo by the Gulf oil-producing states appears unlikely because two-thirds of the GCC's oil exports are purchased by the Asian uh, clients, uh, but uh, more importantly, the economic transformation currently planned and implemented in the region requires sustained absence of conflict. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan's research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on November 3rd, 2023.